I was just saying. I don't care about your opinion. I just well, I'll think... tell you what I think. What's that you say? Would you just listen? I don't think so. Remember, ladies, one must not get one's knickers in a twist. I just... Please listen. I'm trying to help you. Listen. I don't think so. Excuse me. Well, I don't care. I don't care. Listen. Shut up and listen. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode two of season two of Shut Up and Listen um, with me, Norma Desmond. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I've been trying to get this individual on Shut Up and Listen since it first started last year. And um, I know that I had a lot of DMs from people that were like, get this person on, get them on. And because we're in 2018, and 2018 is going to be the year that all beautiful, wonderful things happen. Um <clears throat> I'm 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 so grateful to say that my desire, your desire, is complete in manifestation. I don't know the verbiage. Um, I mean, the truth is, I don't even know how to introduce you. <laughs> like I feel like it's just Mara Wilson. Hi, Hi. thank you, thank for, you so much for having me. Oh my God, thanks for coming on. How yeah. are you? I'm I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I mean, it was the holidays, so I was relaxing, which is hard for me. Uh, and now it's no longer the holidays, so uh, I'm I have a ton of stuff that I need to catch up on, which is which has been uh, which has been exciting, but also stressful. So yeah, that's uh, so I'm I'm doing okay. I'm both happy and a little bit stressed, but. Uh, but that's fine. That's I think that's actually probably my normal state of being. Okay. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so you're not a fan of relaxing? No, not like a scheduled relaxation. I mean, I I like I'm really bad when I don't have anything to do. When I don't have anything to do, I don't know what to do. And I end up, it's like it's too overwhelming for me. There's too many choices and I don't know what to do. But if it's like structured, I guess, in, in some ways, I, I I mean, I don't like it when people are just like, you know, go go to a beach and relax. But if it's like doing a thing, like, like if it's going to a spa, I can do that because that's an activity for yes, me. Yes. And there's some, you know, there's there's some some like fluidity in there too you know you can you can figure out uh, you can you can make different decisions about what you want to do but it's not it's not just like you have to relax now mandatory relaxation it, it kind of freaks me out and i feel like that's what a lot of holidays are okay yeah i i completely completely understand yeah what you're saying yeah um <clears throat> But I'm also like a terrible procrastinator, so <laughs> so I don't know how that all fits in. I'm not sure how that all works. Like, how how can I be both a procrastinator and also like, you know, don't want to be lazy? I don't know. It's uh, it's something I've been thinking a lot about lately. Well, do you do you feel that perhaps it's that you spend a lot of time marinating and getting things ready and that looks like procrastination. And then when you get it done, you get it done. I would say that that's probably the truth too. 
I do think that that happens a lot. Uh, I I tend to like sometimes I'll say I'll say that like something I wrote is only a first draft, but then I'll realize like no, I kind of did the first draft already in my head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that definitely happens to me. That definitely happens where I I'll have to think it out and I'll obsess over it and I'll analyze and I'll do that for a while, and uh, and then I will actually write it out. And it's because I thought it through for so long. So. So yeah, that uh, that sometimes is, but also I think I you know I have trouble making decisions. I'm easily distracted. It's you know it's just the way that I am. So okay. yeah. Okay. Have you been diagnosed with ADHD? I have. Yeah. <laughs> Same. Same. ADD, not ADHD, because okay. I was never especially. I never had the hyperactive, but I was diagnosed as an adult. Same. Yeah, and they were like, "This is why." You know, it was funny because like when I was a kid. I remember, like, my mom would take me on errands, and she would just, like, sit me down in a chair in a store while she did, I don't know, fabric shopping or, like, shopping for, you know, big meals for our family or something like that. And I would just sit there and just daydream. (laughs) I would just sit there and daydream, and I would make up stories, and I would just be lost in my own imagination and, like, interested in the things that were going on around me, but just completely, like, dreamy and not... I'm not able to focus on just like what was at hand, what was happening in front of me. I, I just, I would get lost in my thoughts and lost in my head. And I think that that sort of dreamy quality has followed me through my life. And as an adult that somebody, finally a doctor was like, you know, this might be your issue. So, uh, so yeah, I have actually been diagnosed with that, which would explain why I meander. And I mean, my nickname in high school was tangent woman. Because anybody would say anything and I would raise my hand and be like, oh, that reminds me of this. And oh, and also this. And then this one time. Yeah. Yeah. Always. I was always off on another tangent. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. And do you take medication for ADD or? I don't. Just... I take medication for other things, yeah. but I don't. It's it's uh, I did go on medication for it when I was in college, but it was not a good experience. It made me very anxious. Yeah. So instead it just had to be, you know, like lifestyle changes and writing everything down and trying to focus in that way. So, uh, I think that, uh, yeah, medication for anxiety can, medication for ADD can sort of exacerbate things Yeah. if you have anxiety. So they, uh, so it, it had to be mostly like lifestyle changing and holding myself accountable and, uh, writing everything down and letting like my friends know and my publicist know and all these people know, like, you know, you can remind me of things. <laughs> I will actually be very happy if you do remind me of things. And yeah. Wow. I'm like, I have, I have so many thoughts. Yeah. I have, I have, I have so many thoughts about this because a, it, you know, I love that you use the word dreamer. Yeah. And just, and that to me is a a very beautiful quality because it it's part of your artistry it's it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a gift you know it's funny because i feel like and i've been writing a lot about this recently i feel like i'm a very pragmatic person like i i was thinking about my goals for like the rest of my life and they were all very simple They were all just things like, and a lot of them were things that I wasn't even sure, like, I definitely know I want to do this. A lot of them were things like, maybe I'll do this. You know, maybe I'll raise a child. Maybe I won't. I'm going to leave it open. But, uh, you know, things like that. But they were all very simple. They were things like, I would like to write another book. Okay. I would like to do these things. They were all things that were relatively within my grasp. Yes. 
you know, they weren't they weren't anything too drastic. There's definitely things that I want to do that uh, that I don't know if I'll ever be able to do. But I I was just like, oh, I'm I'm very practical with my dreams. And I think that that's nice. Like I would be happy if I if I granted a lot of these things are are big goals, but they're things that I feel are attainable for me. I think I could write another book. I think that I could write for TV. I think that I could write a screenplay. Yeah. I mean, you know, who knows when or how, but uh, these are things that I'm like, okay, that's that's attainable. Uh, so I feel like I, and it's, <laughs> uh, your dog is on my lap and uh, he is adorable. Uh, there's, there's, I think that there is a lot of, um, I've been thinking a lot about this, and I think that I'm kind of like my dad in that way, who is very dreamy, but he's also very practical. He's yeah. uh, he's an engineer, so it's all about you know coming up with things and coming up with ideas and brainstorming and designing. But it's also things that are that are practical and help and useful and help people out. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that that's very much that's kind of where what what I what I am like in some ways too. Which is interesting because I always thought that I was much more like my mother growing up. But as I get older, I see like more and more. I'm like, oh, oh, this is where I get this from. Mm. This is where I get this from. My approach to work and the way that I think. My personality is much more like my mom. But like the, the, the way that I am about work and goals and those kinds of things are very, very dad. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I'm actually just writing something about this now. So that's probably why it's on my mind. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, yeah, I do think that having that dreamy quality though, and, and always being distracted and always being off in your head. Uh, I remember I had a teacher in college who called my name like during the role and I, I was like, wait, what? Huh? I was kind of startled. And we had an assistant teacher there that day, like a guest teacher there to help. And he started laughing and then he turned to her and said, Mara brings her world with her. Mm. I mean, I, it's it's sort of yeah so i guess that's kind of that's that's uh, yeah that's that's kind of how i felt i think that's a beautiful thing i i mean i i kind of hope that it is i hope that it is but uh it's it's also kind of a pain sometimes because i get jolted out of it you know and uh and and it's funny because i do still think that i'm i'm a pretty extroverted person i definitely turn to other people when i need help i like to socialize with the, with other people but uh but yeah, but there's always been been and there's always been like, you know, interesting ideas and things going on in my head that I kind of couldn't tear myself away from, I think. And uh, but nothing too fantastical, just uh, just uh, a lot of marinating. <laughs> and yeah, and sometimes I think it's sometimes I think it leads to really good things. And sometimes I think it, it's um it's uh it's I don't know I'm I'm trying to tell the difference now like as an anxious person like when is it just me obsessing and when is it actually me analyzing things and thinking things that really matter and affect me and are good and a net positive for my life yeah for yeah. sure well, yeah I would say that it's probably the feeling behind it yeah I mean it's it's definitely like I I think it is and I remember I was talking to my aunt about this once and she said she said very simply like well, does it help anything? <laughs> if it does, then it's useful. If it doesn't, you know, then it's just a worry. It can just kind of be be thrown away, I think. Or or regarded as like, oh, this is a worry. This is what it is. You accept it and then you move on. Yeah. 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 And I guess, you know, <clears throat> I feel like there are certain words, especially in the last few years, that um, have a tendency to sometimes get bandied about. Mm-hmm. 
you know, um, and and one of them I've I found, and I'm even recognizing in this moment as I'm saying this sentence, mm-hmm. I'm I'm checking my own judgment that I didn't even recognize with a judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know that that whole experience of anxiety. Yeah, because on one hand, I I could talk to somebody and they'd be like, "Oh my god." You are insane. You are an insanely anxious person. Yeah. Um, and for me, I, I, I just feel <clears throat> that I'm just really sensitive to other people's energy. And yeah, please don't. Uh, <laughs> please don't violate my boundaries. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and now it's come to the point where I have no problem setting those boundaries yeah. and saying, nope, sorry. Well, this is actually something that I'm very curious about when I meet other child actors. Uh, do you feel like you had a people-pleasing streak? I mean, for fuck's sakes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think most of us did, which I think is funny to people because I know that I can come across rather blunt and grumpy, but I definitely did have this, this streak. And I think that, uh, it, it led me into trouble later in life, especially when I was like dating, uh, when I was dating guys, I think that there was a lot of, uh, a lot of me feeling like I have to be exactly what he wants me to be. And then getting resentful because of that, because I, I knew I wouldn't ever be. And then I, I, but yeah, I look back on that now and I just feel like, that's something that was was encouraged in me, you know. Yeah. That's something that was the perfectionism was encouraged, the and the people pleasing was encouraged, and it's something that I've had to unlearn. I've had to learn to say no to things. Yes, even in just the past few years, like me being out in in the public eye and writing things and performing and things. Just like sometimes I look back on some of the things I do, and I'm like, oh, would I have still have said yes to that? You know, just even two years later, maybe, maybe not. You know, I don't. But I felt obliged. Yes. And so, yeah. And I think that that's just sort of, it's, it's, uh, it's something I think that's like socialized into women. But, but I mean, yeah, child actors definitely. See, this is the thing. People are always asking me things like, like, oh, if you play a part in a movie when you're a child, that stays with you forever. And you, you, do you know that you're acting? You think that you are. And I'm like, no, that's bullshit. You know, but other things do stay with you that people pleasing quality does stay with you that you know any any the feeling that you are that you belong to someone else you know the feeling that you belong to the world that is something that stays with you and i don't think we really and also the feeling that like like this fear of like i'm never going to top that i'm never going to do it again at least that's that's you know something that i was my concern for a really long time and and those are really the things that affect you it's not about They'll be like, oh, yeah, did uh, somebody play a character in a horror movie and, like, think that they were really possessed? It's like, no, that's – kids Kids aren't that dumb. <laughs> it's not like that, but it's but it's the world that goes around with it, and it's the encouraging – the encouragement of, of these things that I think can be really dangerous. Absolutely. Yeah. And what, so <clears throat> it really is and, – and maybe it's because you and I and – I, I'd said this to you before we started recording. You and I have never met. No, we haven't. But we've never met. We've had a lot of like we've had a lot of friends in common. We've had a lot of like 
yeah, a lot of just like sort of, I don't know, these kind of these kind of like two ships passing kind of things, yes. I think. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it, it's <clears throat> I was just saying this to somebody the other day, and it's it's something that I'm getting to work through now. Mm-hmm. You know, <clears throat> I never felt worthy of my success. Yeah. I because I, I didn't have to quote unquote work for it, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and with that too, you know, talking about the people pleasing and whatnot, and and it not feeling that you're your own, you know, I had been placed into foster care when I was two, mm. adopted when I was five, yeah, um, and uh, for me. It, I didn't say, like, I want to be an actor. Like, yeah. the first words that I ever uttered mm-hmm. um, was, I do that. Mm. And it was watching Madonna's, uh, I think, Like a Virgin tour on VHS. Mm-hmm. And uh, the family that I ended up getting adopted into were the people who adopted me. Mm-hmm. Um, they thought I was autistic. Oh, because yeah? I didn't speak or make any facial expressions the first year I was there, mm-hmm. um, which I think is the irony to end all ironies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I always felt safer playing someone else yeah. than actually just being. And uh, and it almost felt, and I d- obviously didn't have the verbiage back then, but it was almost easier for me to hold and carry the energy of someone else yeah. than it was to be in my own energy, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, those questions, like, and I feel like the fucking actors get asked that question regardless of age, but especially yeah. when they're young, you know, like, Hey, could you could you tell the difference? Were you just <laughs> were you acting like? Yes, they asked it, me that on David Letterman asked me that. I did his show once. I did a bunch of other. I did Leno a bunch of times. I did late night, other late night shows, but uh, I was only on Letterman once. And I watched the video a few years ago, and I realized why I was only on it once because he wasn't sure how to talk to me. I think I don't think he had a lot of kids on, and he said to me, "Do you know that you're acting?" And I just kind of look at him like, what are you even talking about? And I tried to tell a funny story, but I was really like caught off guard by that. Like, what does that even mean? Yeah. Yeah, they do. They ask that. They ask that a lot. But I think that kids, I mean, kids are the ones who, you know, they're playing with their Barbies and they have really intricate stories. And then, you know, someone says it's time for dinner. They throw it down. They they drift it like they they just drift away and then they come back to the story later. They understand that probably better than a lot of adults do. Yes, and that and that's the they thing. they're not the ones being like, "Oh, I'm supposed to be sexually attracted to this person in this movie. Maybe I'm sexually attracted to them in real life too," which happens all the time and yes. can be a disaster. Yes. Yeah, yes, or it could be the best thing, Goldie or it can Hawn, be the best Kurt thing. Russell. What did you say, Goldie Hawn? Kurt yeah, Russell, exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, so yeah, there's um but yeah, they do ask that a lot. Anyway. No, and yeah. and, and what's so like what really boggles my mind right in the second is that I don't look at you as somebody that was a child actor. 
Like it wasn't even kind of on my radar to delve into this conversation with you and be like, well, what was your experience yeah. when you were a kid and blah, 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 I blah, I mean, blah. I do have to say it's really nice every time I talk to another child actor, though, because there's so many things that they get. Because, and it's, it's like, it's almost similar to, and, and this is going to sound awful, but it's almost similar to when I talk to friends whose mothers also died. Yeah. Because that's, that's something that's, you know, but that is something that is altogether traumatic. And I wouldn't say the child acting was a traumatic experience for me. I would say there were, there were parts of it that were not great, but I'm lucky to have had the experiences and a lot of it was, was really good. Um, but or or like when I just meet somebody else who grew up Jewish in the same way that I did or yeah. somebody else, you know, who who grew up, you know, LGBTQ or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, there's yeah, yeah. there's definitely this like, oh, you get it feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, because it. Yes. Yeah. Fucking lutely. And I, I find it interesting that you just said what you said and I really mm-hmm. caught it like <clears throat> that that almost prefacing of. I know how lucky I was. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Because that's something that is so incredibly indoctrinated, you yeah. know, and uh, that idea of uh, I was chosen. Yeah. I was wanted. I was this, which I feel for any single person, but like, especially when you were, and I can't speak for anybody else, and I'm not going to dare speak for you. Mm-hmm. But for me, um, the the idea, that, and again, it's something I didn't recognize until much later, but mm-hmm. being chosen, being wanted, that, like, yes, I'm being received in this way. Yeah. They get it. They get yeah. it. They get it. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, I went through like a, a period of God seven to eight years where people didn't get it. Yeah. And I was like, oh fuck. Yeah. But I also recognize now that I feel like the universe was saying to me, Heather, you've been playing people your whole entire life. Now yeah. become one. Yeah, now exactly. Actually become a person. Yeah. And that was the most difficult thing for me to do. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm so grateful because it it allowed me now <clears throat> Oh my god, I can't believe I'm thirty five. <laughs> like, fuck me. Um, <laughs> but here I am now at thirty five getting to look back on my life and uh, getting to have a detached perspective of every single thing that occurred. Yeah. And that's, and that's something actually that I would love to speak with you about Mm -hmm. and ask about your experience in regards Mm -hmm. to choice. Yeah. You know, like what, what was your experience and what has been your relationship to choice? Um, I think that I, I mean, I do remember adamantly wanting to to act when I was a kid. I always wanted to perform. I was always performing, but I think that I think that so and it was also I mean, I grew up I grew up in Burbank where 
kids would come out for pilot season. It was just, you know, and my father worked for KTLA, you know, the local, like, I guess now that's CW affiliate and yeah. it's, yeah. It, in so our, you know, our families worked in Hollywood and our friend's dad, you know, one of my best friend's dad worked for Disney and produced like a documentary behind the scenes kind of things. And it was just like, yeah, this is what we do. We are all in this industry. And so I, it wasn't strange when like my brother started doing commercials. It was just kind of like, Oh, okay. This is something for their college fund. And then, and then, uh, one of my brothers continued doing it and they, uh, and he got some parts in movies and then, uh, I saw what they were doing and I was just a really, I mean, my mom, my mom was, my mom was a, a lifelong theater nerd. She was very performative and, I I took after her in that way and I I loved making up stories and singing and dancing and performing and just it was really what I wanted to do and uh although definitely my favorite part of it was making up stories coming up with stories and telling them to people and performing them that's uh that has been as long like as long as I have can remember even probably even before I can remember that has been my favorite thing my brother found a tape a few years ago and uh, that he'd made, and I'm not sure if it was just him recording himself talking or what, but he says in the background, you can hear like a two-year-old me singing. And it's just me being like, and she's a princess and she has everything she wants and she lives in a castle <laughs> and just telling this, <laughs> telling this story, you know, and singing. And he's like, you sing in the tiniest little voice. And he's like, yeah, I remember when you would tell those stories. And, uh, and so... I, I, uh, I, I definitely wanted to do that, but acting kind of felt like the closest thing to that, that I could yeah. do. You know, yeah. I couldn't write my name yet, but I could perform. So I started doing that and my mom was reluctant to put me into it, but I, you know, I got into it and I think that, I mean, I think that I was, I was cute in a way that wasn't that was that was kind of you know kid next door ish, and I think that I was, I've always been compulsively honest. Uh, I had trouble lying when I was a kid, uh, and so I think that because of that, I I seemed very sincere, and I think that people picked up on that. Mm. And because of that, I ended up getting cast in in a lot of these things because I was I was an emotional, sincere kid, uh, and I had a good ear for dialogue. That was a definite. That was definitely something that I could do. I could say the same line with the exact same rhythm and inflection, you know, five times if they wanted me to do it that way. Yeah, you know, or I could do it a different way. I was really emotionally open. I had a good ear. I I had all these things that, like, I look back on now and I'm like, wow, these were like, these were like vulnerabilities in a way. Yeah, you know, and that's and that's a thing that, like, as I got older, I feel like. And this is another thing I've been thinking about lately, like acting definitely got harder as I got older because I would second guess everything. Mm. And I had these insecurities about my body, about the way that I looked, about my personality, about my choices, you know, and that was the thing. I, I could kind of make a choice and stick with it when I was young. And I guess I did that, you know, in the big choices with acting, but I could, I think a lot of times acting is all about making choices, making decisions and just going with it. And when you're, you know, six or seven years old, it's easier to do that because you're not <laughs> because I don't know, your frontal lobe isn't developed yet. And so you're just kind of you're just going to go with it. But as I got older, I had doubt, you know, yeah. and it feels almost like I look back on this sometimes and it feels almost like like, you know, like a like a middle grade or young adult novel, you know, where there's 
where children grow up and they lose, they lose, or even I guess like all kinds of children's books like Peter Pan or or um, Chronicles of Narnia or The Golden Compass, where when children are young, they have this innocence that allows them to, they have this innocence that allows them to like entrance into a wonderful world or the ability to do something, you know, and, and like psychic abilities or something like that. Yeah. And then as they get older, they kind of lose that a little bit because, because they've seen so much of the world or they want something else. And I can kind of relate to that in a way because I feel like I feel like I I I don't have that anymore. Like I still do act every now and then, mostly just for fun, but like and I do that's not true. I do a lot of voiceover acting and I love voiceover acting, but voiceover acting to me feels very, very different. Yeah. It feels much more like text analysis. And I think if you're like doing doing voice acting kind of this is gonna sound so pretentious, but it reminds me of doing Shakespeare. Because in Shakespeare, it's all in the words and everything means something. Absolutely. Every word means something and you need to look at it and look at it in its context and and emphasize this versus, you know, versus emphasizing this. And are you talking in verse and are you talking in prose and are you and that's kind of what it's like in a booth when you have a line is you have to look at it and analyze it and say, okay, well, what am I trying to get across with this and which words really matter and which are, you know, the most important and what is the rhythm of this and what's the tone of this and uh, and it's so much more text analysis. And I love that stuff. I think I grew up to be a much more analytical person. And because of that, voice acting is something that that still, I feel like, comes easily to me. Yeah. But, but you know, being able to cry on camera, I'm, I, I'm sure I could still do it. But it wouldn't feel the same as it did when I was a kid. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It wouldn't feel, I don't, I don't have that that like reckless abandon anymore and i i don't and i i don't know i've i've wondered a lot about that like do i miss that but also in some ways in some ways i don't because so much of acting it goes along with so many other things that are so difficult too that in in some ways i feel relieved to Mm. be out of it yeah you know and and i would only like i like acting but it's only your terms What'd you say? Your terms. Exactly. Yeah. And it's hard to be a control freak in the, you know, in the industry. But but I would say this, that I don't think that, for me, it's not, I wouldn't view it as being a control freak. What I would view it as is somebody that is actually getting to um, be in their autonomy that's and, yeah and is getting to set the boundary set the yes set yeah the no. and what is it that i desire that yeah. it has nothing to do with any of the outside forces you should why don't you be great yeah blah, blah, blah. this would be this would be yeah that exactly would be, don't you want but da, 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 <laughs> and it's really yeah. is this in alignment with me yeah. is this something that i personally desire to do yeah for no other reason yeah than just getting to do it and if it's something that i desire to do yeah. then yes and if not no yeah and and that's a thing too it's that it's it's you know i i i don't know it's it is something that like i feel like came easier to me when i was younger but it's also not something that I really feel the need to actively pursue anymore. 
it's fun. It's it's a thing I do. It's it's a it is a fun thing to do, but it's not you know, it's it's not something that uh I think that I don't know. And I've been on, you know, I've worked with directors before where I just felt like I I knew more than they did or I had better ideas or I didn't like, yeah, or I didn't like the way that they were treating the people that they worked with Yes, where I worked with them and I was just like, what the hell are you doing? You're being so cruel. This is not the way that you get something from somebody. You know, there's, there's definitely, there's, there's times that I did that. And uh, in theater school, they used to tell me that I was too cerebral to be an actor possibly because I overthought I would overthink everything. And uh, and I was like, and they said, we don't know if you would be happy being an actor because you would have to, so much of it is having to sort of kowtow to what a director thinks and what these people think. And it's, and it's really hard. It can be, it can be really hard. And that's where I call bullshit. Yeah? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, a, because that, that makes me feel, A, when are you directing? And is that something <laughs> that you desire to do? Like for real? Yeah. Um, and B, it, I'd co-sign every single thing that you said because I completely agree. Yeah. I remember I was doing a movie once and I had a director say to me, I fucking kid you not. Imagine that you're a tree. Oh, God. Imagine, <laughs> and I was like 15 years old. Like, imagine you're a tree. You're, you're a willow. And, and I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I don't think that's people pleasing. What I feel that is is getting to recognize they are not going to get me in this moment. Yeah. And time is money. Yeah. And we're on hour ten <laughs> of what is going to end up being a fifteen to sixteen hour workday. Yeah. Which means that I also know that again they're going to ask me to sign out. Yeah. Like ba 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 all this fucking shit. So I'm going to nod my head. Yeah. I'm going to say yes. Yeah. Even though I know you're so fucking full of shit because you don't know what you're talking about. And I'm going to do the same exact fucking thing yeah. that I did before. Yeah. And I know you're going to say it's brilliant, which they subsequently did. Yeah. Because it, 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 here's the deal. What I found is that, I mean, I started working when I was seven. Mm-hmm. You know, and you started working when you were like, what, two, five. three, five? Okay. Yeah. Um, and... I've I've encountered so many people that haven't earned the name director. Yeah, you haven't, know, haven't earned haven't earned it. Yeah, and that's all well and good because the truth is, the directors that I've worked with that I love are those that are a about the story, mm-hmm. are about collaborating, mm-hmm. are open to listening. Yeah. And there is no ego involved because the the biggest energy in the room is the story itself. Exactly. Exactly. Like, that's what we're here to fucking do, folks. I feel like if you can kind of look at it as... I remember in in college reading something about... uh, Jung wrote about introverted art versus extroverted art, and he said that there's uh, there's... Some uh, some kinds of art come from, like, careful planning from within, but a lot of other art, you almost feel like you are channeling from somewhere else. And I felt that way before, too. There are some chapters in my book where I was just like, actually, I, I was talking about your goddess oracle cards earlier, and uh, I was having a conversation with my sister over Skype. Uh, she was living in San Francisco, and I was in New York at the time. And uh, 
she was reading my cards and as she read it and as we were talking about it, I realized that we were two girls who lost our mothers at a very young age and we were talking a lot about mother goddesses Mm. and that kind of led into this. I, I just immediately started writing, uh, writing these these this thing that happened and it it very much felt like I was pulling it from somewhere else and there's definitely other times where I'm like nope I have to plan this out and plot this out and work this out I don't see any like difference between the two but I do think that there is something nice about that kind of and I think that's extroverted art what he called it there is something nice about this idea of like you you have this work that you know, I feel like you have to imagine that it already exists somewhere and that you are doing its service. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That you yes. are pulling it out. You are pulling it out, you I know? Mean, the best thing that I can describe it as is just getting to be a conduit and getting to be a fucking exactly. channel. Yeah. That's fucking it. Whether totally. I am acting, whether I am writing, yeah. whether I like am directing, because here's here's the deal, and this is where I like when you were talking about, you know, sitting in a chair while your mom was buying fabric or yeah. groceries for dinner. Yeah. You know, that <clears throat> I'm very much a New Yorker. Yeah. <laughs> in regards to I'm skeptical as fuck. Yeah. I am skeptical as fuck. Yeah. Exactly. Show me the evidence. Yeah. Show me the fucking evidence. Same. And with that, you know, evidence compared to what? Like, mm-hmm. what ev- What evidence am I gathering? And right. what am I putting it up against? Mm-hmm. You know, and at the end of the day, it's really just the experience. And I've had so many experiences where if I'm writing, for example, and... I get a flash of an image in my mind. Yeah. Like and and it's something that's big enough that startles me awake. Yeah. yeah. That I'm like, I need to pay attention. Yeah. And I start writing and I don't know where it's gonna go and I know I don't know what's gonna happen and I, I start arguing. Yeah. And and I always get reprimanded <laughs> to the point that I've learned to just listen. Yeah. So that by the page by page thirteen, I'm like, oh, now I see. Yeah. What you were, now I see where you were having me go. Yeah. So the only thing I can ever take credit for is getting to be a clear channel. Yeah. Like exactly. That's it. And I feel on one hand that sounds so fucking woo woo and whatever the fuck. And on the other yeah. hand. I I see that even in that sentence, what I'm doing is dismissing all of the very, very tangible experiences that I've had out of fear that yeah. other people aren't going to get it. Yeah. And that my experience is not going to be received. It's interesting to me because I feel like there were some, like when I wrote my book, I felt like there were some chapters or, or essays in there that people really responded to that just kind of came pouring out of me but there were also ones that people really responded to that were incredibly hard to write and uh and i think uh it's it was interesting to me the ones that were uh the ones that that were difficult and the ones that 
were easy. And I think that it's it's interesting which ones they were. But I do feel like uh, I do. I don't know. I feel like this is a thing. I feel like people always want to. And I and I completely understand this because I I my whole life I have always been somebody who gravitated towards dichotomies. <laughs> I liked I liked be everything being black and white, but that's not the way that the world is. And so I I really like it and I think that I think that human beings kind of naturally go towards, you know, the to black and white, but that's that's not how everything is. So I always thought you know, I was told like, oh, there are people who plot everything out, who who uh, write outlines and then they write the thing that they're writing. And then I was I was told, no, there are people who just sit down and let it all flow. And I was like, it depends. It depends on the writing. It depends on how I'm feeling. It depends on, you know, so many factors. And sometimes it's a combination of the two. Sometimes I'll write something all down and just like let it flow out. And then I'll be like, "Mm, this isn't quite working. I need to go back and shape it. And then I'll go back and outline it. Yeah. And it's, I, it's, it's, uh, it, I think that there's, they, it's, it's different. There are times when, when I'm able just to do that. But I do think that no matter what, even if I do write something where it's very much sort of pre-plotted and I know exactly where it's going and I'm, and I, and I've, you know, sorted it all out. I do think that, I mean, I've always said that like, you know, there's that phrase, kill your darlings, but you know, with respect to Stephen King, whose book on writing is a good book. I, I don't know if I agree with that. I've always said it's more like giving your darling a haircut Mm. (laughs) because yeah, it's like you have a child and you have to like cut your child's bangs. All you're going to do is see the child's eyes better. Yes. You know, you're going yes. to see into yes. to it. It's it's just kind of it's, you know, or it's shaping a statue, you know, or like like cutting things off of a statue and revealing like the statue within or I don't know, I don't sculpt. I should ask my sister, she's a visual artist. But uh but things like that, you know, that's definitely I I do think that uh and I'm I mean, I'm a skeptical person too. Uh I I mean, I did live for I did live in in New York for 11 years. Uh I think one of the reasons, there are many reasons that I moved back to L.A., but I think one of the reasons that I moved back is I realized that being around people who were exactly like me wasn't always the best. Uh, I yes. felt like I needed people who were different than me, uh, especially when it came to dating. Uh, I, I can't date somebody who's too much <laughs> like me. It was not, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm fine, but I'm more than one of me is enough. Yeah. But one of, one of me is more than enough, I mean to say. So, but I do think that there is something very, the one thing that I do think is very LA about me is that I'm always on a self-improvement kick. I always want to be better. I always want to try to be better. Whereas I feel like when I was in New York, everybody around me was just kind of like, this is who I am. You get what you get. And that worked for them. But for me, I was always like, no, I have to do better. I must, I have to greet everybody with peace and kindness around me. And I need to be more calm and I need to be this and I need to be that. And, uh, and, but I like that. I do like that about myself. I do think that I'm, I, I try not to be too perfectionistic about it, but I but I do like that I am trying to do better and be better. I do like that about myself. And I think it can be done in a very trite way out in L.A., but uh, I also think that, I don't know, I think that there's always this this vision out here of, like, you can, you know, we all must self-improve. We all must do better. We all must be enlightened. And it's totally at odds with the other part of my personality, which is very skeptical, but... Uh, but I do like that. I do like that that feeling, that idea. Yeah. No, I I I I completely understand what you're saying and I completely agree and there it makes me think of I remember I was at a 
like a coffee bean and tea leaf, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know why the fuck I was even there, <laughs> but I was there and I was outside and this woman was giving another woman a reading. Yeah. With these cards. And I remember sitting there being like, you are so full of fucking shit right now. <laughs> you are so full of fucking shit. You know, because that that idea of and again, you know, I think that there's a difference between being judgmental versus being discerning. You know, yeah. and there's the there's the micro and there's the macro to everything. Mm-hmm. There is the di- the dichotomy. Yeah. Um <clears throat> And I definitely, I mean, for fuck's sakes, you know, between like, like my bookshelf, <laughs> like we'll be like, yes, you're very into improvement. Yeah. Like spiritual and emotional improvement. Yeah. Check. Yeah. Um, and with that, though, it's the. I don't desire to be better anymore. Yeah. I desire to be whole. Yeah. And I also desire to define self. Yeah. From self. Yeah. As opposed to I need to be X, Y, and Z. Right. Yeah. Based upon. And and again, society, it's like what society? Spiritual yeah. society, like entertainment industry, like, yeah. like whatever the fuck. Like there's always going to be something that you can choose from. And for me, it's really <clears throat> one of the, the greatest things that I've ever heard, and it's something that I, I live by now, mm-hmm. is somebody had said to me once, Heather, do you want to know the secret to the universe? And I was mm-hmm. like, yes, of course <laughs> I do. Yeah. Of course I do, sir. And they said, the truth always feels good. Mm. And I was like, <gasps> Yes. And then I had to go through the journey and it's something that I'm still experiencing where yeah. <clears throat> when something feels really good, it's the first thing that I'm like, nope, this feels too good because yeah. It, yeah. Interesting. And yeah. I, but I feel like in part and this is something else that I wanted to ask you, uh-huh. you know, in terms of like feeling worthy versus unworthy yeah. and, you know, I know for me, the reason that it's hard for me to make decisions and mm-hmm. it's getting, I'm getting much better at it yeah. was because I was always told what to do. I was yeah. told what to do. I was told where to go, what time to show up. Blah, blah, exactly. Blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, I had the lines, I had the thing, and I just did it. Yeah. And it was like, great, fabulous, blah. Nobody had to tell me what to do in that sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, um, but I was told, like, where to show up, where to stand, ba ba ba, who this was, da da da. That I, uh, I was never in my mind. There was yeah. never a thought process. It yeah. really was just all being. Yeah. Um, and then somewhere along the way, and I think it really was after Dollhouse. Mm-hmm. You know. And this sounds so... And you were how old then? 12, 13? I did Dollhouse when I was 11, and it came Uh, out when I was 13. Yeah. And it was the thing that... And it was great. And I would hear people say, like interviewers say, "Um, how does it feel to play someone so ugly? 
And what I would hear is, how does it feel to be someone so ugly? Yeah, God. And so I was told from 13 on, you're incredible. You're brilliant. You're like one of like the best actors of your generation. Yeah. And um you can only do X, Y, and Z yeah. because you're not A, B, mm-hmm. and C. Mm-hmm. And I I had never been in such narrow parameters before. Yeah. And I felt automatically A restricted within them. Yeah. Um and I'm grateful that I still had enough love and room for um the sacredness of what we do yeah um in terms of getting to channel characters yeah. and tell stories and whatnot because it's it's not me i literally yeah. am just a vessel um but it got to the point that when it came to the business side, which then also then goes to the creative side in terms of what you say yes to and what you say no to and where it was that I desired to go, I continually felt as though I was bullied into making choices that I didn't want to make. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how to say no because yeah. the, the line that you're given is, a, you should be grateful. Yeah. B, who do you think you are? Yeah. You're not that great. You're not this. You're not that. Ba, 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 it's ba, very ba. much damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like, if I talk about, it, like, for a long time, I felt like, okay, if I talk about the acting that I did, I'm boasting about it. And nobody likes, you know, a braggart. Uh, <laughs> but if I don't talk about it, I'm ungrateful. And I was just like, well, what am I supposed to do? You know, and I would try to downplay it and then people would be like, oh, no, that just makes you seem more conceited because it seems like you're just being like, yeah, we go to Danny DeVito's New Year's party. And and so it's it's uh, it was very hard to, you know, to to know what to do and to to know. I mean, I definitely agree. I mean, I, I remember like I'm, I'm very scatterbrained and that's possibly, you know, another ADD thing like. I'm always leaving things places. And I remember, like, I left my computer at uh, my brother and sister-in-law's house. And uh, my sister-in-law, she's super, super smart. And she said to me, and very intuitive, and she said to me, you know, do you think that this is maybe because you never had to make decisions as a kid? (laughs) You never had to keep track of your stuff. You never had to do these things. There was always somebody driving you, somebody there. I actually had a... A therapist, I remember when I was at arts boarding school, who said, um, who said basically, child actresses are prin- child actresses are princesses. That's that's what they are, and not in a spoiled way, but in a way that y- you've got somebody making all your decisions, not in the negative connotations of like spoiled, yeah, yeah, bad, yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah, in yeah, the yeah. but in the way of like the way that it is to live a life as royalty. Where you are always, you have to be a certain way. You are told what to do. You are told what to say. You are able to to be this, you know, this thing that's exciting and that's an icon. But also at the same time, you you are so limited with yeah. your faculties. And and when I he said to me like, "What do you think of a princess as?" and I started describing it, and I was like, "Oh, actually, yeah, it's somebody who has who does not get to make choices for themselves. It's yeah. somebody who is." respected even though you know they might not feel that they deserve that respect it's i was like this is 
this is what that is. And it's something you know? that's put upon them. Because exactly. They, they didn't ask no, to be born they don't. into a royal family. Yeah, they don't. It's it's something that they, they and I mean, I wonder if royalty have imposter syndrome. <laughs> I feel like they have to, because I know I do, and I'm not, I'm not royalty, but I had, I mean, I definitely feel that the same way as you, where I feel like I, I, I definitely did not feel like I deserved any of the attention that I got, because it was something that was just kind of, fun and easy for me and you're and and at least for me and i have a feeling that that your upbringing was um lighter yeah than mine yeah in one sense yeah you know um So I feel like actually maybe it does balance out. <laughs> um, but the, you know, really, the, I always felt the safest when I was working. And when yeah. I was home, it's when it felt like a prison. Yeah. And in terms of being scatterbrained, yeah. I had the opposite. Yeah. I was so hyper aware mm. of everything. Yeah. Everything. Because it, uh, for me, <clears throat> sometimes I need to se- take a second to get very clear. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> for me, I guess it, it, it felt most similar to this and, and, uh, I can only imagine the feeling because I haven't actually had the experience. Mm-hmm. But if somebody is allowed to leave prison mm-hmm. and go visit their family, yeah, but they have a guard with them that is a sociopath. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, it, it makes me, th- I, I mean, for fuck's sakes, and I'm just using it because it, Came yeah, in my head. Yeah, but like I think of like the color purple. Yeah, and I think of when Oprah Winfrey's character, um, she gets put in jail, and she spends years and years and years in jail after defending herself and standing up for herself, and then she has to end up going to work for Miss Millie, and she gets the one day a year which was Christmas Day, to go see her family. And Miss Millie insists on driving her in her car. Mm. And she's going to pick her up at 5 p.m. And um, Miss Sophia is going to have her day with her family. And what she recognizes and what she sees is that she's never actually going to get to have that because Miss Millie, in her incredible dysfunction and racism and selfishness and self-centeredness can't even let her have that. Mm -hmm. So I, I felt as though I was always very aware of everything and always very aware of where my sides were. I was always very aware of what like, Okay, they said that I need to like go to wardrobe to do the thing. I'm, I need to go do the thing and bop, 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 because yeah. I felt as though I needed to prove um, and earn 
Yeah. The fact, and not through anybody on set, but just I'm able to handle the responsibility of doing this. Yeah. Because this is actually what I really desire to do. Yeah. You know, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, it definitely does. It definitely does. And I feel like I knew people who did, who were like that too, where it was very much like, you know, I need to, I need to show, I need to prove that I deserve to be here, that I'm, that I'm doing this. Yeah. I definitely feel like that's something. Yeah. And not even, and not even consciously though. You yeah. know what I mean? But like really in that, like, this is where it's to be a professional. This is what it is to like, I, I didn't suffer any fools in the, yeah. in the sense of, you know, oh look at me! I'm I'm doing a movie. <laughs> I'm so fabulous, and mm-hmm. I am so great. Like, oh, yeah, great. Uh, like I wanted to work eighteen hours a day. Oh, I did too. I I really wanted to push myself. I thought that it was like, I thought it was like the cool older thing to do. Like I remember when I was filming Matilda uh, Kiami, who played Lavender, turned nine, and she was out were allowed to work an extra hour a day, and I was like, "Wow, that is so cool! I can't wait till I turn nine. <laughs> and you can work an extra hour a day. Yeah, like it's like it's like you know some some like milestone in growing up or something. Like it's some you know rite of passage. Yeah, and also you know what I think it is too. I'm just recognizing it in this second. I had such a reverence and respect mm-hmm. for the crews that I worked with. Yeah. And that I wanted them to know that, like, I didn't think that I was any better than right. they were. And that I knew. And that's something that, like, I don't know yeah. where that came from. I don't know what, if it's, like, my biological dad's DNA coming through as, like, a yeah. fucking Irishman digging digging like subway tunnels <laughs> in New York, you know, where it's like, we're all on the same team. There's no yeah. hierarchy. Yeah. You know, I, I needed it in whatever way for everyone to know yeah. that I did not believe in the lie mm-hmm. of the hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think made me feel that much more despondent when I became a teenager. Yeah. And I saw that, my desire to let everyone else know that I didn't see it as a hierarchy yeah, um, was less powerful than the actual illusion of the hierarchy yeah. within our industry. I mean, I feel like I was sort of taught that this isn't a big deal. And because mm. I was taught this wasn't a big deal, I feel like there were times that I didn't take it seriously. I think that my parents were just kind of like, no, this is just sort of a fun thing for you to do. You need to be professional. Yeah. But it's, it's you know, you need to be professional. You need to work hard. But it was sort of the equivalent for of like an extracurricular activity. Like if I'd been on a softball team, I feel like it would have been the same. You know, my mom would have been like, you need to take this seriously, but remember that it's fun. Oh, my gosh. You know, that's what it felt like to me. It felt like, like, you know, like... If I had been goofing around at, you know, I don't know, softball practice or soccer practice or gymnastics or whatever I would have done had I not been a child actor. <laughs> um, it probably would have been something nerdier than that, let's be real. But I, you know, it would have been like, you need to pay attention. You need to you need to make sure that you, you know, practice your piano, that you, yeah. you know, that yeah. you're not goofing off at practice, that you're doing these things. But also remember that it's about having fun and making good memories. And, you know, when I was filming Mrs. Atfire, which was my first movie, we made like a... We had, uh, I think, I think actually Robin Williams gave me a Polaroid camera and I took Polaroids of everybody and we took Polaroids of me and we got, we made like a little scrapbook yeah. of, of, uh, all the photos of like, like it was this fun adventure. And, 
But I also think that because of that, I didn't always take it seriously. You know, I would want to play, especially when there were other kids on the set. I wanted to play with them. I wanted to, you know, I didn't take it as seriously. And every now and then, you know, first with my mother and then whoever else was like acting in loco parentis, you know, whatever, nanny or babysitter or my father or or my grandmother or somebody else, somebody would always have to take me aside and be like, this is a job. This is work. You need to focus on that. That's what's more important right now. You can't be like, oh, I don't want to go to set right now. I'm playing with my friends. Wow. This is what's important. And I also think that because I didn't touch any of the money that I received, that it was harder for me to see it as a job. Yeah. That said, I'm glad every day that my parents did not touch my money. Yeah. And I'm I'm considering myself incredibly lucky because that is not something you hear very often. Yeah. But but I do think that, uh, yeah. And and I also think that that... Uh, I don't know. I wonder sometimes there's, there's, I think there's gotta be a good way to do it, but I, I feel like kind of just the situ- situationally, no matter what I did, I was going to come out of it with some neuroses, <laughs> you know, no, if they, if they had said, you know, you need to take this seriously, I would have, I would have come out another way. If I had felt like I needed to prove myself, it would have come out another way. Yeah. Maybe it's because I started younger than you were. And so I, I had no idea of like the scale of everything. Yeah. And that's, and that's something that I was thinking of. Yeah. Like, because you, you catapulted in a way that I didn't catapult until it I was. It was really weird. I did yeah. not expect that. In fact, I'm sure that if my parents had known, they would not have let me done it. Mm. they would not have let me because they were not expecting it. And I, I remember my mom on the phone with my agent saying that she didn't think saying, saying like, you know, I'm not sure. I don't think so. No, I don't think it's a good idea. And that was the open call for Mrs. Doubtfire. Wow. And then I got a call back and then I got another call back and another call back. And then I did a screen test in San Francisco with a bunch of other kids. And I remember really liking uh, the the boy named Matt and the girl named Lisa and all of us ending up getting cast. And it was just kind of like, my mom was just kind of like, okay, this is a fun adventure. And then things just snowballed. Yeah. I I didn't expect, none of us expected it. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it was just sort of like, oh, well, I guess we can't stop now. That's so, I mean, holy, like, holy fuck. <laughs> like, really, really, like, holy, holy fuck. Um, it, it makes me, I'll tell you what, like I, as we were talking about like animals before yeah. we started this yeah, and, and I was saying that like I identify and relate to animals more than I do to human beings <laughs> and I most certainly relate to children a lot more than I do yeah. to adults. That's definitely something I feel like I have, I have so much understanding and respect for children so much more than a lot of other people I know because because I, I saw so much and experienced so much and I'm I'm really close with my nieces and nephews and it's it's uh and and most of the jobs that I've had that were not related to writing or acting have been childcare or child development nonprofits working with children or tutoring or nannying or anything like that because I I I feel like I understand them and I appreciate them. Well, yeah. 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 I think, you know, I feel that there is a wisdom that children have. Yeah. That adults do not. Yeah. And I feel that that's what in part makes adults try to minimize 
And like, oh, isn't that so cute? Yeah. As opposed to actually listening and taking it seriously. And uh, full disclosure, mm-hmm. I watched Matilda like a month and a half ago. <laughs> I'd, I'd never seen it. I'd yeah. never seen it. Yeah. And my, my girlfriend was like, yeah, I think you need to see this movie. <laughs> I think you need to watch it. Yeah. I think you'll relate and identify. And yeah. I was like, okay. And so I watched it. And I, I was stoned, <laughs> which I'm I'm grateful for. I had a I had a lovely sativa within my system, uh. um, and I, a I, you know, there's that scene in particular that you mm-hmm. have with. Your teacher. Yeah. What is her name? Miss Honey. Yeah. Yes, Miss Honey. Who, like, reminded me, ironically enough, of Sarah Paulson. So if they ever do yeah. a remake, I'm like, Sarah Paulson. People always, yeah, Honey. people people will say that she, they definitely do look alike. They, and look they have a so same air about them. Yeah. Yeah. But that scene where you're so earnest um, with wanting to get her doll back. Yeah. And getting to go into the house and, and getting to have that one-on-one dialogue with her mm-hmm. and her being like no you don't understand yeah and you being like no you don't understand yeah and i it was such a brilliant moment and it was so beautiful and you know <clears throat> i i don't think regardless of age i feel that very few people have that quality in general yeah. That earnestness yeah. and that Yeah, just that earnestness and that honesty of spirit. Yeah. Where it's it it checks your gut and yeah. it checks your heart and you're like, Yes, I completely get this and I completely identify. And I think that's also why um the transition can sometimes be incredibly awkward. And yeah. a lot of individuals are like, no. Yeah. Um, because they desire to preserve the experience mm-hmm. of that earnestness and feel like it it can't actually yeah. continue. And well, go on because then you're a fucking unicorn. That, well, that's that's exist. what I yeah, and I mean that's when like it comes back to what I said about like you know the the sort of growing up and leaving Neverland or Narnia or you yeah. know not not being able to read the Alithiometer anymore or any of these things where I feel like that that you know and you get you get other things when you grow up and the thing is I that people are always like I, I know so many people my age who would love to be a child again and I'm always like I I wouldn't want to be nope. No, couldn't pay me. Yeah. Even in like the happy times of my childhood, you know, and I I did have like there were a lot of ups and downs in my childhood. I wouldn't say that it was a a bad childhood, but I would say that there were a lot of ups and downs. There was there was my mother dying and and my poor father having to struggle with that. And there was there were, you know, and and uh, there was there was all there were all kinds of things that were were ups and downs and unpredictable and. 
But even when I think about like the time where I'm like, oh, that time I was filming and I was really happy or when I was 10 years old and everything kind of let up for a while or, you know, when I when I went away to boarding school and I and I felt comfortable being myself Mm. for the first time in a long time, you know, or that brief period when I was seven where I had just total, you know, unadulterated confidence. I think about these things and I'm just like. But I still wouldn't want to go back. Yeah. You know, I still wouldn't want to go back. I mean, there are definitely things I wish I could tell my younger self, but I generally like, I like being an adult. Yeah. I I prefer being an adult, but yeah, I think that there's definitely, that there was, there was that quality that I had when I was young and I don't feel like I really can have that anymore, but I don't know. You need a balance that sort of. I would disagree yeah. with you because you I you would can? say, I would say that it's never left. Yeah, you know, I want to try to keep it. I don't want to be too too earnest, but I but I do feel like like I was such a like cynical and like nihilistic teenager and I look back on that now and I just cringe. I'm like, "No, I I don't feel like that helps anybody. I don't feel like that helped me. I feel like it made me miserable." And it's why like I hate cynicism. I don't even really like sarcasm very much. I feel like people should should be earnest. Yes, okay, you need to protect yourself. You need to be guarded yeah. at times because just to keep yourself safe, but like but but earnestness and, and voluntary vulnerability, I think, are are good qualities. And that's what I yeah. And that's what I feel makes the most powerful individual. Yeah, it's the fact of it's it, it, it's not even twofold. It's like I think it's fourfold. Yeah, right. Because here you are as a child, and you're having a very adult experience. Yeah, which means that. You know, I don't know about you, but every single set that I was on and every single person that I worked with, they treated me as a peer. They didn't treat me as a child. Yeah. I never <laughs> felt I never felt talked down to yeah. or talked at. When they did, it was very noticeable. It was very noticeable and it was very much... It was people who are sort of, and some of whom are notorious for having an ego. You know, having a huge ego and being very insecure themselves. Yes. But for the most of the people that I worked with were very respectful. And uh, and I think in a way they would treat me as an adult on the set. But when we got off the set, they would also treat me as a kid. They would respect the child side of me, which was nice. But they would also respect the gift that you have. Exactly. And they would respect your your work and they would respect you in the moment there and they wouldn't try to talk down to you. Yeah. Yeah. And and that I feel is something that a lot of kids don't get. Yeah. And so then getting to branch off to like we're on the path to adulthood and here we are at adulthood. There's a a fullness mm-hmm. of of character, um, unless you like annihilate the one, mm-hmm. you know. But there's <laughs> there's the potential to have the respect, and it's very easy for me, and I don't know how it is for you, mm-hmm. to see through people's bullshit. Yeah. In, in, in the yeah. sense of, yeah, I, 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 I know, I see. Yeah, I see you're in so much pain right now. Yeah, and I see that you are so wishing to lash out. Yeah, and I, I receive you in that space. And no, 
this is. <laughs> yeah. Like, unless I'm inviting you to come into, like, my bosom. Yeah. With which, like, if you choose to receive my nurturing, that's one yeah. thing. But I'd, like, no. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go to the bathroom quickly. Oh, my gosh. Go, to the <laughs> go pee. And we're back from our bathroom break. <laughs> and I hope that you guys took the same. Um, <laughs> and, like, realizing that, like, aid, I know that, like, I mean, for fuck's sakes, <laughs> I feel like we're going to, we have so much more to talk about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, so much more. It, I feel like this is almost like a voyeuristic um, thing for people where it's like, oh my god, we're getting to listen in on a really intimate conversation. Yeah, shit got deep pretty quickly. Like, but then, I mean, I think we're both the kind of people who, who like, I've I've always been really bad at small talk, and I've tried, you same. know. But but people always ask me, they're like, how are you doing? And I have to think, and I have to be like. Well, actually, I'm a little sad right now because of this, but I'm doing okay. But I just want you to know that I'm doing okay. But there's also this, and this is kind of bothering me a little bit. And also, I've been sick lately, but I'm doing better. And yeah, I I never, I always stop and think about it. I can't just say fine. <laughs> I'll tell, look, this is what I say. I say, do you want that, <laughs> do you want that robotic answer of I'm yeah. great? Or are you actually really asking how I am doing? Yeah. Do you want the honest answer or yeah. not? Yeah. Um, and most people are surprised that I've even asked the question. And yeah. And they feel that I've put them on blast. Yeah. And <laughs> that's why I don't have a lot of friends. <laughs> but that's, that's good by me. My, my, my friends have actually pointed that out. Like, I remember one of my friends being like, Mar, you always stop and think before you answer that question. And I was like, I do, don't I? But I, I don't know. It's funny. I feel like I was... I was an actor growing up, but I was a bad liar, yeah. which is really funny to me that people are like, but isn't acting lying? And I'm no, like, no, it's not it's because not. you believe in what you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and I suck at lying. Yeah. I'm the worst. Yeah. I'm the worst fucking liar. Yeah. And I told some whoppers when I was growing up. Yeah. I like really, really did. Like where it was like, please catch <laughs> me in my lie. Yeah, I like think I'm so bad. There's different like there's different age groups I think try to do lies and see and see like what they can get away with. And I was I just think. lying because I desired to have friends. Yeah, like, I definitely I, think that's a thing. Like yeah. I definitely I didn't have any friends and I promised everybody like a Sega and a Nintendo <laughs> um, in like the third grade and like I was like they fell off the back of a truck. I don't know where I heard that wow. phrase. And I promised everybody that they that I was going to write a movie and that they could be in it. And oh. I like promised my crushes, you know, oh, yeah, certain parts sure, and like sure, all of the sure. cool kids in class. I was like, you guys are going to be in it. And eventually, like one of the moms had to call up my dad and be like, what is your daughter promising <gasps> my kids? What? The and fuck yeah. Mom? And I I was like, I was furious with her. I was so upset. I'm and furious I, for you. Yeah. And I remember crying and crying and my dad being like, so you wanted to make a movie? And I was like, yeah. He's like, you mean like with a video camera? And I was like, no, I want to make a real movie. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I mean, I was like, okay, look, I take meetings with producers. I get to do these things. Why shouldn't I be a director? Hey, fucking men to that. Yeah. And so, so I, I, you know, and I think after that, it was like this reminder that I was a kid 
and and it it brought me like back down and it made me really sad I mean I don't know it's interesting because I go back to Burbank now now that I live in LA again and uh, I'm like oh this isn't a bad place to live but for so long I hated it and I think it's because I got like a little glimpse of the world yeah and I I like coming back to that was hard coming back to this world that was like this tiny this this town that's in the middle of LA but still in kind of a bubble and it just so feels so self-contained and and not feeling like I had the freedoms and the right and privileges and responsibilities and respect that I had anywhere else when I was there, you know, like, like, I know it just makes me think of mommy dearest and why can't you give me the respect that I'm entitled <laughs> to? <laughs> it's yeah, just, there's, there's, but like, but like it was I hard. Get it. I get, I, I completely, it's hard after having a film named after you to come home and having your parents say, oh, by the way, you can't ride your bike across Magnolia Boulevard. You can't yeah. cross the street by yourself. Yeah. You can't, yeah. Yeah. you can't do these things. And so, and that was just, that was really hard, I think. And and that, I think, was one of the reasons why I was like, and also because I was just like done with, I was done with Hollywood and, and rebelling against it in some ways. I was just kind of like, I'm done with this. I'm moving to New York. I'm sick of this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I didn't ever think I would be back here again because I'd I'd always just rebelled against it. But there were you know, there were some things that I, that I really missed and it's, it's kind of odd to find myself, to find myself back here, I think, but, but, uh, it feels right. It feels good. So, but yeah, you know, I feel like it's almost like, like this happened to me and I feel like this happened to so many of my friends and probably even my siblings where like, what, like if you, if you go to college and you date somebody, eventually they're going to study abroad and eventually they're going to come home from studying abroad and dump you. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like we didn't dump, but, you know, broke up with like where you they come back and they're a different person. And I think it's because I think it's because, you know, and, and with him, I think it was sort of like he saw the world for the first time. Yes. Meanwhile, I had seen the world when I was seven yes. and I, you know, I'd, I'd lived in the places that he'd studied abroad when I was, you know, oh, seven, twelve. Yeah. And I'd, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd been away. I'd been on my own for so much. And I'd been, there were times when I was living away from my parents for just, you know, months at a time. And it was just kind of whatever. And, but he'd never experienced that before. And because he'd never experienced that before, he came back and he was changed. Yeah. And we, we broke up because it was just like we weren't, he, he wasn't the same person anymore. Yes. And I feel almost that yes. that's kind of what it was like coming back home where it's just like, I'm not the same person anymore, but I have to pretend to be the same person still. And, and it's hard. It's hard to readjust. It's hard to go back to being a kid at times. Yeah. And it's funny because there's so many, so many things about child acting and fame that I just feel like I, I, I don't know. I have so many different. Okay. Okay. Do you want me to throw? Along. No, we're almost finished. <laughs> There's so many things where I feel like I, I, I have to be like both. I, I'm of two minds of so many things where I'm just like, well, this gave me a great experience and I really appreciate it and I really love it. But also this kind of sucked. But also I had a great time with this. But also there's this. But also I love that people see me this way. But also I kind of wish they wouldn't. And I'm very much like in, well, not just of two minds, of several minds, I suppose, about about so many different things that I experienced as a kid. And, but I mean, I guess 
probably everybody feels that way in some ways. Like everybody looks back on their their you know ideally they should look back on their childhood and be like. Well, this sucked, but I appreciate that. And I'm, you know, I wouldn't want to live this through again, but I'm glad that I did. It taught yeah. me a lot. And, yeah. you know, there's, there's, um, but I feel like people don't really, people don't always understand feeling multiple ways about something. They don't. They think, they think like you either have to go back and be like, this was horrible and I don't stand by it and I, and it was terrible or, or it was the best thing that ever happened to me and I'm so lucky. And there's so, there's so much like, you know, there's so many times where I'm just like, no, things were complicated. It wasn't all one way or another way. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And you're allowed to have contradicting feelings. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, and, uh, I think for a species that yeah. really, for the most part, mm-hmm. there are those really beautiful individuals that mm-hmm. get it. Yeah. That understand and they get to live in the dichotomy. Yeah. You know, they get to live in the knowing and the unknown. They get to live in the space between that. Yeah. Um, and that you can't have one experience until you have the other. And then yeah. you get to actually truly be in choice. Yeah. Um, and choice I think in general is 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 hard for most people. Yeah. Um, it really is. I mean, I honestly think like sometimes I'm like, oh, there are just too many choices. Like, and I've heard this actually, like as I as I like social critique that like Western, especially American society, has given people too many choices, <laughs> and I they suffer from decision fatigue. Than go to a fucking <laughs> New York diner. It's just <laughs> all the things. It's it's so like it's it's just there's just so much, and that isn't necessarily going to make you happy. Yeah, you and know. It's also, but the thing is, it's that. I want choices, but then I'm afraid I'm going to make the wrong one. Yeah, of course. You know? and, of course. And with that comes that if I make a choice, I'm not allowed to choose again because I've already made the right. choice. Yeah. And that's another fucking lie where it's yeah. like, I don't make the choice that I've made. I'm allowed to choose again. Yeah, exactly. Again. Or everything's over. I made this and choice, again. so everything's over. And yeah, yeah. And now I have to stick with it. Because yeah. That's what we're told we have to do. We have yeah. to stick with the choices <laughs> that we make and we need to be responsible. What's yeah. Responsible to who? Yeah, exactly. I'm responsible to no one but self. Yeah. Really, truly at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, I'm not responsible for anybody's happiness. Yeah. You know, I'm not responsible for anybody else's choices. It it really is. And when I say self, I mean yeah. like big S self. Yeah. Self. Yeah. Um, not tiny little ego self. Yeah. Um, on that note, <laughs> I would really, I would love, love, love for you to come back. Yeah, I would love to come point. back. And I would love for us to just get fucking dinner. Yeah. Yeah, um, we definitely should. Okay. And uh, is somebody like, here? I think somebody is here. <laughs> it's a mystery guest. Um, but again, I'm so grateful. Yeah. Like, thank you so, so much. No, no, no. It's been my pleasure. And yeah, I feel like maybe at some point we should also do an episode where like... Tag along! Shh. <laughs> I'm like... I, although I don't even know if this is possible, but maybe we should try to do an episode once where we talk about things that are a little lighter. <laughs> yes, let's. Let's. I'm open. I'm totally open. Yeah, we'll see. I'm totally we'll open. We'll see if that's possible. We'll okay. see if that's possible. Okay. Again, Mara Wilson, thank you. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. Tag along, shut the fuck up. And we'll be back next week. Love you, bye. <laughs>